Welcome to the Urban Hope Podcast. Today's sermon is called The Sovereignty of God in Human Conflicts and Weakness, Part 2, from Acts 15, 36 through 16, verse 5, from Pastor Alton Hardy. Amen, amen. Well, if you're visiting with us for the first time, um, we've been walking through the book of Acts, and so... It's been good, and God has been ministering to us. And so today we, we're in Acts 15, first five verses in Acts 16. So if you have your Bible, stand up with me, please. Turn to page 1099, and we're going to start at verse 36. But if, just in case you don't have a Bible, it should be up on your screen to the right and the left. And we are reading from the ESV translation. Here we go. Verse 36 of Acts 15 in your pew Bible, page 1099. And it says, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and to see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. And Barnabas took Mark with him and he sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Chapter 16. It said, Then Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. And a disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconia. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him. And he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they went on their way through the cities and they delivered to them for the observance, the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem, in verse 5, and says, And so the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. The grass withers and the flowers fade. Amen. You may be seated. Second Timothy chapter three, verse 16 says, "All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. No matter how difficult people, It may be 
for us to understand and to comprehend the word of God. The Bible says that these scriptures, that they are useful for teaching us something. There is something in this text today that the Spirit of God wants us to learn, to be instructed about, to teach us about. The Word of God said they're useful for teaching us something, correcting us in our thinking about all the matters of life pertaining to circumstances, situations, but these scriptures come to teach us and to instruct us in the pattern that is conforming to righteous living. How then shall we live with this grade of salvation that we've received? How he first loved us. Well, I'm calling this part two sermon today, the sovereignty of God in human conflicts. Weakness, part two. Don't have a lot of time to go back down memory lane. I would encourage you to go online, www.urbanhopecc.com. Go to resources, and hopefully Michael has it up there, and you can listen to it. As we focus on what we're talking about last week, how Paul and Barnabas, this great conflict came about, and they separated. But I'm not really trying to deal with that, but that is the backdrop and how even in that, God's sovereignty is still at play. But today, my main theme is not focusing so much on these conflicts in themselves. You're a human being because we know that we all will have them because we are what? Broken human beings. At least I know I am. <laughs> but yet we pursue unity and reconciliation. Nor am I focusing this sermon on the sinfulness of human weakness. You already know that. You already know that, hey, pastor, I don't have it all together. As long as you're on this side of heaven, trust me, you and I will struggle with sinfulness and human proclivities towards sin until the very day of your death when you give up the ghost, the last. You still will be sinning, thinking crazy thoughts. That's okay. But my focus today, I want to focus on God, the God of the Bible, the one who made his abode with us in human flesh, the one that stepped out of eternity and made his home in this planet, on this planet, the one who suffered. And he was crucified and he rose from the grave and he spent 40 days with the apostles that he had chosen. They didn't choose him. Remember the song we just got done singing? How he first chose us, loved us. He chose these apostles. And the word of God said, then he presented himself to them alive with many convincing proofs. Hey, look, see, touch. I'm alive. I'm not walking on air. I'm flesh and bone. I was dead. But here I am. I'm alive. And then the word of God said he spoke to them. He wasn't wasting time. When he was with them for 40 days, he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God. You can find all of that in Acts chapter 1. 
this one that we're singing to, he was dead, he died, he was in the grave for three days, but on the third day, as the pastors say, early in the morning, <laughs> Jesus said, I'm coming out of this grave. He got up. But as he was speaking to them about the kingdom of God, he gave to them and to us here today the most important and greatest command that every sincere believer should be engaging in every waking moment that you and I have on this earth. No matter what the circumstances are in this world or the situations, conflicts and all, you should be focused on this and in engaging it. And that command that he gave to them and to us here today, that command that somehow got me from where I was some 30 years ago to now being a, a pastor, sometimes I shake my head and say, man, God, how did you do that? I first love you. You love me, now obey. told those guys and he's telling us here today go make disciples of all the nations all the ethnos start in Jerusalem Judea Samaria and go to the ends of the earth and don't stop until I come back don't get caught up who's the president who's not just go on about my kingdom business but just in case you forget, that's why I had Dion read this passage of scripture because God is committed to this. Um, Proverbs 19.21, Dion read it. Y'all heard it called the repentance because we need to repent about this. Many are the plans of, in the mind of a man. You've got some plans here today. You might want to be, you might be thinking, Lord, I want to be rich. Bill Gates rich. God looking at you says, you see what he's thinking? You see what she's thinking? God lets you think that stuff. That's okay to think I want to be rich one day. Many other plans in the mind of a man or a woman. You can take this one to the bank. But it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. It's all over the Bible. God's sovereignty. God says, you can have your plans. You can pick your kings and queens. But let it know and let it be known. It is my purpose. It is my will. It is my agenda. It's my planet. It's my earth. It's my water. It's my food. It's my drink. It's my everything. <laughs> my purpose will stand. This text is trying to tell us that the the God of the Bible, not our God that we make sometimes in our own hands, but the God of the Bible, that he's deeply committed to his purposes, to his plans over our plans. And Luke tells us here today in chapter 15 that in verse 40, that Paul, after his conflict, Two apostles, 
we believe Barnabas was apostle. He was right there in the beginning. These two great men, both filled with the Holy Spirit. They both love Jesus. They have this huge conflict. I mean, they go at it and they separate. It's like I said last week, as far as we know, we can't go say any more than that. They didn't see each other again on this side. At least we can't see it in any of the church history. If it took place, nobody knew about it. But we see in verse 40 that Paul picks up. Barnabas sails away with John Mark. Paul looks over, and the Bible says, and he choose, chose Silas. My wife Sandra, she's been wearing these T-shirts with short quotes about God. And she wore one this week that really engendered, brought about a lot of good conversation because she was wearing, she got all these shirts with quotes about God. And the one that she had on this week, she had a few on this week, but this one really brought a lot of conversation about. And the t-shirt said, not luck, but God, or just God. Or it's not luck, it's not happenstance, that Silas is there in Antioch. Or it's not luck, or it's not chance, it's just God. Just God being the all-sovereign, all-knowing, almighty God all by himself. Over all events, both big and small, it was God who had chosen Silas, put it in his heart to stay back. You can read it. We talked about that last week. Verse 34 is not there. In some translations, they added in. Somehow Silas came down from Jerusalem with Judas, but he decided to stay back. Decided in his mind. But it is the purposes of the Lord that will stand. But God had him be there. And so he was there. He did not return to Jerusalem. Because God had him there for the purpose of continuing to carry out his mission work in the world. God saw that conflict between Paul and Barnabas before those guys got up that morning. You not realize you got up this morning, you got up sleeping all throughout the night, didn't know what was happening on the outside. Do you not realize while you're sleeping, dreaming or whatever you're doing, God is wide awake, looking, ruling, reigning. And when you get up, he already knows what's going to happen 25 years from now. So when he, them two guys woke up that morning, God said, well, the day is the day. What should I do? Oh, I know. My purpose will stand. <laughs> Conflict will come about. And my purpose will work itself out. And so before Paul and Barnabas got up, God had saw every thought that they had in their mind, every word that was on their tongue, before they even utter it, he had already seen it, perceived it from afar. Let that sink in. He knows your thoughts too. And then the word of God says, 
chose Silas. Conflict came about because purpose and his sovereignty is at work. His mission in the world is still coming about. And the word of God says in verse 41, Paul and Silas, they went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. This Greek word strengthening is epistirizai, which means to establish, to support, to stabilize, to make strong, to lead someone to prop upon or lean upon. They were teaching the churches, strengthening the churches to do what? To lean upon Jesus. Don't trust in your own heart. Don't lean upon your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God. That's mainly what I try to do every Sunday is to get you to not trust in your situations, in your circumstances, in your mama, your grandmama. Trust in the Lord. Because we're fickle. We're up and down. We're hot and cold. We believe on Monday. And by Tuesday, we have zero faith. We're in the negative category. But Paul and Silas went to Cilicia. Syria, teaching them, trust in the Lord. Lean on Jesus. Don't lean on yourself. Don't trust your, in your plans. Get as old as me, you start to realize your plans, they're not going to work out as much as you think they are. She reminds me to get up in the morning and say, Lord, you know what? Pastor Hardy told me not to trust in my plans, so I'm going to lean on yours. What do you, you want me to do today? What do you want me to go about thinking today? It'll help you in the long run. But here in the text, I want to focus on Silas here. I want to bring out a couple of observations concerning this Silas, this man. And also, later on, others who are mentioned here in the story. Like I said, they're here for a reason. What is God trying to teach us? And so I want to bring out a couple of observations concerning Silas right now. And how he may be relating to you, you and I here today. First observation. Silas came to Antioch with the whole group. He came with others from Jerusalem. And I thought about this. I said, what? okay, Silas, did he take off work? He, you know, texting, hey, I'm not coming in today. He couldn't do like we do in Fairfield. Today is my birthday. <laughs> Got a happy birthday, Silas. Yeah, give me my money. Put dollar bills on. Roman coins. <laughs> Did he do that? But the first observation that I see here about Silas is that, and I want us all to grasp, no matter what the circumstances or conflicts may be happening, he's missional-minded. He's committed to the mission of God. He's available. I don't know how he got there, but I know when they send the group of men and elders to Antioch with the letter in their hand, Silas is one of them. So he's about the kingdom of God. He's about the mission of God. He's not about who's the president, who's the new emperor of Rome. He doesn't care. He's about whatever Jesus has told them to do. So that's the first observation. He's available. Are you available? 
If God came to you right now and said, I want you to go to Zimbabwe, would he have to send a billion angels to your house just to calm you and your wife down? <laughs> Are you available? He was available. Second observation about Silas. He's in Antioch. Paul chooses him to embark upon this second missionary journey. When I was reading this, this is like, wow. He goes with Paul. I don't see any pushback. Hold on, man. <coughs> Boy, I'm feeling well, man. I got to come back to Jerusalem. I had a business deal. I'm working out with a guy. I'm, you know, <laughs> I'm already 300 miles away from Jerusalem. You want, you're going where? Cilicia and Syria? Man, can I get a rain check on that? You don't see that. Here's the second point. He's available. He's ready. He's flexible. He's open to the changes in the plans. Silas was clear on the mission from Christ to go make disciples, to ready yourself as a soldier, to be ready to go into the battlefield. So he, we see here, verse 41, he doesn't give anything back to Paul. Paul chooses him. Paul didn't say, hey, man, you want to go or not? They said the word of God. Paul chose him, and they go on the mission. Silas just goes. Doesn't, you don't see any pushback. So a couple questions for us here this morning related to Silas and others. I want to pick it on your heart. Are you free this morning? Unentangle, separating yourself from the world. Even though you're in the world, you're not of the world. Are you committed to be a missionary on mission for Christ in this short, vapor, temporary life? Are you free this morning? I mean really free. Or all your thoughts preoccupied by money, savings account, what job I need, worried with all the cares of this world. If Jesus is perusing over the room, he can see everyone's heart. Are you free? If Jesus came, say, hey, go here, go there. When he get a lot of, Jesus, you got to understand, I got to. Are you free to just to be free, to be on mission with Christ? I put here in my second question, are you working your fingers to the bones? Which is what I see with a lot of people. Working your fingers to the bones for everything that the Bible calls wood, hay, and straw. Meaning on the day of judgment, it will not pass. It didn't mean a thing in eternity. It was insignificant on how much money you, money you had in the bank. Straw. Hey. Wood. It will be burned up. It's nothing. And I see people 
not focusing on the mission of God around them. And Jesus is very clear. This earth that we live in, guys, is passing away. The word of God is very clear about that. Because I know, I'm looking around this morning, I said, I want to make sure, so Lord, I was standing here worshiping as Karen and we're singing Hosanna, save us. I said, Lord, there's a lot of millennials and Gen Z's in this room today. So, because this is, this is for you. I'm a pastor, so I'm Gen Z's, millennials. You know who, they, who you are. Here we go. I want you to go home today. I want you to put in the Google search engine. This is what I did. And I want you to put these words. Millennials and Gen Z's anxious about life. And just put them in just like that. So you will say, Pastor Hardy is lying. Just go home and Google it. Don't do it now until you get home. Millennials and Gen Z's anxious about life. Here's what comes up just on the first page. Millennials and Gen Z's are more anxious than previous generations. Here's why. Explains what you're anxious about. Milestone anxiety on the rise among millennials and Gen Z's. The Gen Z's mental health wave, what is causing the surge? Gen Z and millennials are feeling anxious in today's most anxious generation ever in America. Millennials and Gen Z's. This is where the understanding and the resting in the, what I call the sovereignty of God comes to play. I said it last week and I said it again. Understanding the, the theology of who God is. Because according to all the research, what's happening in this room, there's a lot of anxious thoughts about tomorrow. About what, this or that. But when you come to wrestle with God's sovereignty, it supersedes it should quiet and be an antidote to your soul here this morning not to be so anxious about where you're going to be working two years from now. Yeah, you need to work, but you don't need to be worrying about where you're going to be living five years from now. How big your house going to be. What's happening with all the human conflicts and sinful weakness of people be, and everything else. Worrying about how good the economy is. Whether it's good or bad. High interest rates, low interest rates. Bad president, good president. Social upheavals with COVID mandates. And all of the above. Rest in God. Rest in who he is. He already knows what tomorrow holds. He knew what was going to happen with Barnabas and, and Paul. But the mission didn't stop. So therefore, we must continue to be missional minded in carrying out the work because we know that God is sovereignty is at work.
And so here in chapter 16, we will see God's sovereignty. There's a separation for two men within the church. But now you're about to see, as you saw with Silas, you're about to see God's sovereignty at work in continuing to be about the mission of God. The word of God says, now Paul with his new missionary teammate Silas, by the way, who's a Roman citizen, you'll see that later because Paul is as well. And the word of God says in chapter 16, verse 1, said they came, their own mission, they're going back to the churches which Paul had planted. Silas was not with them. It was, Tim, it was, it was um, Barnabas, but now it's Silas. And it said they came to Derby and to Lystra. And the word of God says, and a disciple was there, and his name was Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer. But his father was a Greek. This is, I mean, I saw that. I said, man, this is, you know, God is always about his plans, his mission. So he allowed that conflict with Paul and Barnabas, and now he's, he says, I'm, 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 he, Paul, Barnabas falls off the scene. He's not really mentioned anymore. Luke doesn't focus on him. And now Paul has a silence with him who's available, who's ready to go on this second missionary journey. And as they come into Derby and the Lystra, and they, the Bible says there's this, there's this young boy named Timothy, and he just so happens to be biracial. Gentile and Jew. Woo! And our day would be like black and white. This is interesting that God now brings in Timothy, who just so happens to be biracial. Not luck, <laughs> but God. Not luck that Timothy just so happens to be biracial, Jew and Gentile, or Greek. And Paul and Silas meets him. What we see here, that God is, he's diversifying the missionary team. And he's adding Timothy who will become a major player on this missionary team. When you read the epistles, Paul mentions Timothy a lot in all of the epistles. From Romans, 2 Corinthians, 1 and 2 Thessalonians, Colossians, Philippians, he's mentioning Timothy. This Jewish mom Greek father. Let me stop here. I'm in the PCA and I'm a part of a MTW, this thing called RAD. I don't even know the nickname for it now. African American song. We've had so many names. And I keep saying this, but God is committed to his mission. 
And I say this, and I'm going to say it again. I said it before. If there was ever a time in the history of the world that God is looking for women and men of color to gird up their loins and to go on the mission field in the world, it's no better time than now. When we went to Australia and we saw those Aboriginal people, they, because of all the history of injustice that had taken with those people, it's very difficult for white missionaries to make any inroads with those people of color. Sandra and I and Kevin Smith and Carl Ellis and Dr. Ken Ellis, we walked in there and it was like drinking Kool-Aid. I come back and said, where are the black missionaries? From Africa to Haiti to the Bahamas, all over the world. And what God is doing here in the story is not luck. It is God being God, sovereign Lord, that Paul and Silas meets this young man who just so happens to be biracial, which means John Stott says, because of his Jewish Greek parentage, Timothy will give them an entry into both communities. God is wise. He's smart. He knows what he's doing. He's not concerned about the conflicts, circumstances that may be going on in people's lives. He is, but he's more concerned about his mission in the world to bring the gospel. And so Timothy, who is a major, major addition to the team, Paul picks him. And so I want to spend, as I did with Silas, four takeaways or observations about Timothy that I think will really move our hearts here this morning. And you see God's hand, sovereignty, and God is doing that today. He's doing that in this room right now. He's, he's perusing, hovering over the hearts of his people to see whose heart, like Silas, like Timothy. All right, four observations and takeaways here with Timothy that we can learn here from the text. You know the background. Paul and Barnabas broke up, and now he's on the move on this second missionary journey. And he's focused on the mission that God has given to us, the church. Go make disciples. So Paul is focusing on that. And so he leaves with silence. And the word of God says they were strengthening the churches, making disciples, being about the business of the kingdom. And now here in Derby and Lystra, they meet this young man named Timothy. And so there are four things that we can take away from Timothy that will encourage us here today that's going to land the plane in our lives. First thing. The word of God says that when they came and they met Timothy, look at verse 2. It says that he was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconia. Meaning that he had a good reputation among the churches there. He was faithful. He was mature. He had good character. Can people say that about you? He was well spoken of, meaning he was, he, was, he, was, he was at church, on time, faithful, serving, 
well spoken of. Some scholars believe that Timothy, guess how old, was maybe 17 or 18 years old. I'm going to come back to that. If Timothy was alive in our day, he would be a Gen Z. But he's well spoken of. He's faithful. He's mature. He's about the kingdom business. That's what God's looking for. Second thing we can learn from Timothy. Young Timothy, like Silas, he was missional-minded. And he was ready to answer the call. He wasn't bound by worldly cares of this life. He wasn't like what they said in, the, in all the articles about all the anxiety, anxiety thoughts of all the Gen Z's in the world. Timothy could care less. what the economy was in Rome, how much money he had in the bank. Timothy's mind was on one thing, to go make disciples, to be about the mission of God. When you read these articles, it's all about the cares of this world. It's about money. It's about where I'm living. It's about where my job is going to be. It's all the stuff that Jesus tells us over and over and over again. Don't be concerned about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. But we constantly wake up in the morning and that's all what's on our thoughts. How can we care about what's in Africa? It's all we care about, how much money I got in the bank. Can't be a missional-minded person and all you're doing is thinking about and worrying about what job you're going to get, whether or not it's going to pay you six figures. Timothy's ready to answer the call. How do I know? Verse 3 says, When Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, <laughs> I don't see nowhere in the text, hey man, how much am I going to get paid? <coughs> Apostle, <coughs> ain't trying to be funny, man. <laughs> we got to talk about them Benjamins, the Roman denarios. <laughs> I don't see that. How much I'm going to... I got my mama here, Eunice. I'm a biracial kid. You know how it is in, 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 these, in these communities, man. I'm biracial. I don't fit in nowhere. But Paul, so he's... he's and we see Timothy goes with him. So here again, you see, he's ready and able. He's flexible. Here again, I ask, are you flexible with your schedule to make disciples, to be about the mission of God? Third thing, Timothy, like Paul, was willing, flexible, and able to nuance different cultures and people groups and being sensitive to serving them for the sake of the gospel. You're going to see this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 as a church when we get there. What Paul says, and Timothy takes on this mindset, and I'm going to show it to you. What Paul says, for though I am free from all, I'm free from all, man. I'm, who the Son sets free, I am free indeed. I've been set free by the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. 
I don't need to be circumcised. I don't need all the Jewish laws and dietaries. I'm good. Well, Paul says, but I'm free from all. I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. He, Paul says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. He said, I know how they think, but I'll become like you in order that I may win you. I'm not trying to fight for my rights. I'm fighting that God will break open your heart with the gospel. He said, to the Jews, I became as a Jew. In order to win Jews, to those under the law, I became as one under the law. Though not being myself under the law, that I might win those who were under the law. You see here, Paul took him. He was a Jewish mom, Gentile dad, Greek dad. The word of God says, we can see Timothy didn't fight Paul. Paul took him. And the word of God says, and he circumcised him. Man, circumcised is it's already painful enough when you're a little kid, but you don't know any better, and you can't stop it anyway. <laughs> but as an adult man, even, even at 18 years old, being circumcised is painful. But what we see here, when Paul took him and he circumcised him, you see nowhere in here, Timothy says, hey, man, I, already, I know the gospel. I believe the gospel. I don't need to be circumcised. Hold up, Paul. You got them letters in your hand anyway that's coming from the elders and the apostles that says the Gentiles don't have to be circumcised. So why am I getting circumcised? Because it tells us. Because of the Jews who were in those places. For they all knew that his father was a Greek. And they had all kinds of rules about interracial marriage between Jews and Gentiles and Greeks. And so Timothy, in many ways, would have been seen as an apostate if he wasn't circumcised. And so Timothy says, okay, I ain't got no handcuffs. It don't matter. What you feeding me right there? Y'all eat insects like that? Yeah. Man, I'm vegetarian. <laughs> yeah, but this is what we eat. You in, you in Asia. You in Japan, this is, we eat snakes. <laughs> See, some of y'all say, we're missionaries. We're on the battle. We're on the field. We're trying to get to know their hearts. And I can see some of y'all. Do you have some <laughs> cornflakes? Cornflakes? No, we have a python. We just cut him open. Are you going to eat this, Mr. Hardy? And Sandra, I can see us both looking. I'm kicking her feet, baby. You're going to eat this python. Or you're going to say, well, <laughs> Jesus, do it. Jesus, eat the python. Bless it, sanctify it, gulp it down, drink you some water and Kool-Aid behind it. Timothy didn't have to get circumcised, but he did it. And he didn't fight Paul. So here's what I know. He was willing to go along for the sake of the gospel. Last thing. We should take away with Timothy. Young Timothy, like Silas, like Apostle Paul, his main objective was to make disciples and to see the church strengthened in the faith, knowing that whatever human conflicts would come about, that God, the sovereign God, 
was sufficient to take care of him. Well, how did I know that? It says, he's now accompanying with Paul. Verse 5, so the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Luke is trying to tell us both times. At the end of Acts 15, but the mission kept going. They strengthened the churches in Cilicia. And now here it says that the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Timothy was like Paul and Silas. They were free, unhindered, not caught up in the world. They were focusing on the mission of God. So here's what I want to do. Me and Noah and Dion, we're open our prayer game. We come here every Friday morning at 8 o'clock. Because one thing we realize, we're in a real spiritual battle. We pray on Wednesdays, we pray the week, but we decide we're going to come until Jesus tells us to stop. And we come here and we pull the chairs, we put the cross on, and we weep and cry. We pray for Fairfield, we pray for people we're ministering to, and we're crying out to God to do something special. But this past Friday, as we were praying, and Noah was kind of confessing you know, the weariness, the tiredness, seeing what he seeing with the football team, just total brokenness beyond what any human being can fix. And as he was sharing and we were praying, I think Noah might have been praying. I usually started out, and then Dion, then Noah, either one or two, they might interchange and drop in. So the Lord says, I want you to pray for the young people. We need more Timothys. Timothy was a young, mature man. He was about the kingdom of God. He, was, he would have been a Gen Z, a millennial. And Paul chooses this young guy, and Timothy plays a major role in the early church. A major role. How did that happen? What made Timothy special? Obviously, he, was, he had heard about the Great Commission to go into all the world, to make disciples of all the nations, so he wasn't playing video games. He was focused. When Paul sees him, you coming with me, took him under his wings, the rest is history. So wherever you are right now before I pray, I want all young people, anyone under the age of 30, all millennials and Gen Z, stand on your feet. And I want to pray over you that God will use you in this hour as a Timothy. When his heart moves on you, that you will go Live, serve. Now, for those of you over the age of 30, you could do it. But I'm especially glad I put on my heart young people, Gen Zs and millennials. Because you're the one in the articles that the Word of God says you're stressing out about money, jobs, career, future, husbands, and wives. All these eternal and external conflicts. And so, therefore, you're waiting for the right sunset, the right right river to come through before you move on anything. And God is saying to you, don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about what house you're going to have. Set your face towards me. Just like Timothy. Have a good report among the church. For such a time as this, God is calling y'all to in this age 
to move out. So, Father, I'm obeying you as you told me this Friday morning. You put this on my heart. And you reminded me again today so I wouldn't forget. I'm praying for those who are under the sound of my voice, who are under the age of 30, Gen Z's and millennials. Lord, I pray that you would place that anointing, that mantle that was on Timothy, that made those in Lystra and Iconia to say that he had a, a good reputation among that church people, that he was faithful. He was busy with the kingdom. He wasn't walking around filled with anxiety and anxious about all the things that could happen tomorrow. He was focused on what your will was. So even when the great apostle Paul came, the greatest apostle of all, the greatest missionary of all, you took this young kid who was 17 or 18 years old and you did much with him. I pray for those who are standing that you would do likewise. That you call them and place on them the anointing, the mantle to be missional minded on their job, on their campus, in their school, in their neighborhood, with their family to be about making disciples of all the people. Father, I ask right now that you would bring a sweet movement of your spirit among every Gen Z and every millennial that is under the sound of my voice. And that you would wipe off of them all of the cares of this world. That they would come to know and trust you that you're sovereign good and in the bad and that you are moving all of this towards your internal purpose and plan for when one day you will crack the skies bless us now with this Lord we pray it's in Jesus name Amen, Amen Thank you for listening to the Urban Hope Podcast for more information about Urban Hope Community Church please visit our website www.urbanhopecc.com